Hello, I'm Kenzie Fell, producer and co-host of McGowan Braybender's podcast channel, Side Effects. Today, we are welcoming back a Side Effects guest for the second time, McGowan Braybender's population health manager and engagement specialist, Tiffany Cook. The last time Tiffany joined us, she taught listeners what empowering healthier living really means, and we dove deeper into the topic of biometric screenings, the benefits, and different factors to consider. Tiffany has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to getting employees involved in health and wellness programs, so we had to have her back to learn more. Today, we will break down incentive strategies, learn tips on how to increase participation, and see what the outcomes look like. Your HR team won't want to miss this episode. Welcome, Tiffany. I'm Scott McGowan. I'm Kenzie Fell. And I'm Anne-Marie Singleton. Now, I think even for our listeners, too, I think what's important is um, we might be right, we might be wrong, but one thing is we're not afraid. Our goal is to get you to think about things a little differently. And we're unscripted. We just have free reign for 20 minutes. Welcome to Side Effects with an A. Welcome to Side Effects. I'm Kenzie Fell, and I'm joined by a special co-host today filling in for Scott and Anne-Marie. We have Dave Homan. Thanks for having me. He is our um, Director of Strategy and Innovation. And we had such an amazing podcast last time with this guest. We had to invite her back for more. So welcome, Tiffany Cook. Yes. Thank you for having me again. So excited to be here. Yes. And if you guys didn't get a chance to listen to our last podcast with her, we discussed biometric screenings. And it really is a good segue into today's topic, Mm -hmm. which is incentive strategies. So fun. So we're going to pick her brain a little bit about those. Yeah. So what are the different types of incentive strategy approaches that employers will engage? Yeah, sure. Straight to the point. Um, (laughs) So I would say that these incentive strategies could look a little bit different for every organization. So um, some examples of incentive strategies could look like just a simple gift card. Um, Maybe a gas card could then move into um, putting into a raffle for maybe a Fitbit or a bike or gym shoes. Offering gym memberships and gym discounts could be an incentive. Or it could look like... um, offering dollars into the HSA or a premium differential. And a little I would, bit of everything. Yeah. I would say probably um, the most effective that we see is the premium differential. By um, offering that cash incentive, really, somebody would want a discount on their insurance probably the most. Oh, yeah. I could see that. So are they all structured the same? Like is it – I know here at McGowan Bray Bender it's based on biometric results. Mm-hmm. Um are all companies like that or so there's a couple of different ways you can look at it for earning that incentive so we there are two different types of wellness programs there's a participatory wellness program and an outcomes based wellness program okay. so you spoke about ours here at Mago and Braybender based on our results so that is an outcomes based program so we actually do our biometric screenings along with many other activities but if your biometric screenings are out of range based on the metabolic syndrome or MET-S um, risk factor numbers, then you would have to do additional activities in order to earn that incentive. So that's what an outcomes-based program looks like. And then for a participation-based program, that is where you just ask your employees to simply participate. Mm -hmm. does not matter what those outcomes look like. doesn't matter if they're out of range, in range. You're just asking them to participate. And would you say that's the program that 
when you're first introducing something to a company, they start off with just the basic participation. Definitely. You would never want to just step into wellness and go fully outcomes based. There's a (laughs) lot to learn. There's a lot of struggles when you're first starting a wellness program. Do your employees appreciate it? Do they understand it? How are we communicating? So by going straight into an outcomes based program, you're really setting yourself up for not the best success. And what are some different types of the participatory programs? If you have any examples. Yeah, so you could simply just ask them to, your employees to participate in a biometric screening. Just mm-hmm. come to the on-site screening or go to your primary care physician to get your screening done. Kind of what we talked about in the last podcast. But then we also have some where it's just participate in five challenges throughout the year. And that Mm -hmm. could be a steps challenge, a weight challenge, a walking challenge, whatever that looks like. Um, You're just asking them to participate. Maybe it's come to on-site lunch and learns and participate. Does does that help you establish a culture of wellness or by doing those smaller things? Because I'm guessing that long-term claim impact, those probably aren't going to rock your world Mm -hmm. but it probably helps build trust is that why you're doing those or I would say definitely that you are beginning the um, information setting and educational setting of what is wellness so then as you begin to build on to your wellness program and eventually maybe go to an outcomes-based program you've already set that stage and set that foundation your employees understand what the terminology of um, wellness challenges or biometric screening or PCP and primary care physician so it is definitely building that culture of wellness. I think that's so important too. Whenever we have challenges here or it, you want to do it because you want to hang out with your friends mm-hmm. and you want to like be a part of the whole culture and the experience. Yep. So, I mean, I know we do outcomes based, but I love the participatory ones too here. Yeah, definitely. And and then even if you have an outcomes based program, you can still have that fun participatory mm-hmm. aspect, whether you incentivize extra or it's a you did it kind of thing. There's still um, value in it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So regardless, uh, and I've sat in on client meetings with you before, and I never seem to have two clients that are the exact same in what they do. Mm-hmm. But I always see kind of an infrastructure, a skeleton mm-hmm. that you like to 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 s- stay with as you build a program. What are those different core components that you feel like, regardless of what you're doing, you need to have in there? Mm-hmm. Sure. I would say the first part is education, education, education. Mm-hmm. So by communicating to your employees, whether that's through emails or posters or um, conversations from leadership, by educating your employees of what's to come in the future is the first and most important step. If you skip that step, your employees are wondering why you're doing this, why is it important, and what will our future look like? So by educating is setting the culture or setting setting the stage for that positive culture. And then the next step would be figuring out your plan of attack. What are your main goals and focuses? Where do you want to get your program to in the future? And then we would build that three-year strategy of what that looks like. I, I love that model. It sounds just like here is fill in the blank. Let's, <laughs> where, where do we want to start? Yeah. So Tiffany, um, you don't fly solo with that. How do you how do you develop that strategy? Is it with 
Who are all the different stakeholders that you involve in that process of planning? Yeah, sure. So usually within that first conversation of setting the stage and understanding where their program is right now, that would usually be a meeting with the HR team, um, the CEO, because they're in there for the financial part of it. If we're going to begin to add programming, they want to know what the costs look like. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes the CEO team and the, and the president, that, that part of the team as well. Um, but you're definitely always going to have the HR team, whether it's just an HR director or it's an HR director, HR manager, HR assistant, because most of the time we find that they're the ones that are running that wellness program. Mm -hmm. And what are some, I guess, of the, the third party vendors that you would bring into this to help um, their, guide their path? Sure. So during that very first setting the stage meeting, mm -hmm. I wouldn't bring in a vendor. I want to f hear from them their goals and objectives first. Mm -hmm. And then after that, then I come up with my thoughts and recommendations to build that strategy. And we have that discussion. Here are my thoughts. This is the layout. This is the strategy of where we want to take this. I would like to bring in a couple of vendors. Mm -hmm. So then I decide, you know, if their focus was an online portal and engagement tool, then mm -hmm. we bring in recommendations for that. If it's on-site biometric screenings then we would bring in vendors for that so I call it my toolbox of vendors and um, I pull it out um, whenever we're looking at uh, companies and talking with them about their goals and strategies I it just you help companies so much and I just think about this as someone's literally holding your hand through this process yeah. and you just make it so easy for them how can they say no yeah we do hear no <laughs> no <laughs> I, I wish I didn't but those are the organizations that I consider a challenge I still talk with them and provoke them to think differently because I I believe so strongly in this EHL empowering healthier living world and topic mm -hmm. and we have seen so many changes here at Mago and Braybender because of of what we've done so we believe that every organization can have some sort of change because of it mm -hmm. so at the at the far end of the spectrum the companies that are all in that have been doing this for a while how far do they go with an outcomes-based program like what does that look like from programs to premium differentials sure so a fully outcomes based program would take it to the level of you are asking your employees to do a biometric screening finding out their risk factor numbers if those risk factor numbers are out of range they have to complete additional activities after they complete those additional activities they would then get retested if they are out of range they have to do additional activities some more right if they are in range, then they're considered compliant. So that retest is the important piece of an, a fully outcomes-based program. Mm -hmm. And also the tobacco uh, conversation comes into play. So oh, an yeah. outcomes-based tobacco um, program is where you are asking your employees through an affidavit or a cotinine nicotine testing if they are tobacco users. And if they are, they then have to complete additional requirements such as a tobacco cessation program in order to be compliant. So during that process, if you are out of range or you're non-compliant, let's say you're a tobacco user, but you're going through the program, do you, do you pay a compliant rate or a non-compliant rate during that? So you can set it up either way. Um, we find that is most um, that we see the most is that you're not paying during that program. And a couple of the reasons why is the EEOC, which is the Equal Employment Opportunities 
Commission. Commission. <laughs> we <laughs> had to look that up. <laughs> um, so the EEOC states that if you are charging tobacco users during the time of them signing the affidavit or figuring out that they're a tobacco user and doing the program, and then they complete the program, you would then have to reimburse them all of those dollars. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot to keep up with. So what we find um, that we see the most is where employers will just um, not charge them through the time of the program that's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that deadline date, um, if they haven't completed the program, then they start that surcharge right then and there. Mm -hmm. If they did complete that program by that date, then they are not charged. It does not matter if they are a tobacco user or not still. So how has health care reform changed this things with this whole process? Sure. So um, back in 2010 with the ACA and when it came into play, that's where it started the conversations of employers could um, charge and incentivize based on wellness programs. Mm -hmm. um, so it's had some rules and regulations changes throughout the year, and actually we are still in the process of one going on right now, and we're hoping that we'll have final regulations and rules sometime this year. They keep <laughs> pushing it back and back. Um, but it has definitely changed the mindset of where employers feel like they are able to incentivize and or surcharge employee, employees' behavior. Mm -hmm. So they understand that now um, they can help change how employees look at health care right. and take it into their own hands. Right. So <laughs> what size employers generally will jump into this? Because I know that uh, for groups that are smaller and, and perhaps are community rated, they may look at this and say, look, we're if if we do good, the carrier wins. If we do bad, the carrier wins. Yeah, so. sure. Great question. I'm so glad you brought it up because even though you are a small organization, there's still opportunity to build the culture and help your employees understand the importance of wellness and, and taking health care into their own hands. Mm -hmm. So even um, small employers we work with right now in the 2 to 50 segment life group, um, I still am talking to many of them about asking them to put into place their employees to go to their primary care physician to get their annual physical mm -hmm. and their biometric screening or even doing a biometric screening on site. They, We have vendors that we work with that go as low as just doing 12 members on site. And remember, when you're doing a biometric screening, you're able to include spouses as well. Yep. So then you're able to build up that number. Um, so it doesn't matter size-wise, you can still implement wellness programming. And just thinking of um, employers going down this path, what are some of the considerations when talking about culture? Mm -hmm. Like how do the incentives work when if you're a family-friendly company or if you're in the manufacturing or different types of industries? Sure. So when we're building out that three-year strategy, that is definitely something to discuss. Um, how many different locations they have, what type of workforce they have. Is it blue-collar, white-collar, gray-collar? Um, is it that they want to include spouses or not include spouses? Because then that changes your incentive structure a little bit. Oh, yeah. Like how much are we as a company and organization willing to put in for the amount of dollars? Um, so you have to think through that. You have to talk with your leaders leadership team to discuss and get everybody on the same page. But I will say, when you're looking at the different workforces, an incentive may look completely different. We have some companies that just offer small gift cards, and we have some companies that go all the way to the 50% max threshold, which is maybe $1,400 annually. Wow. So. Have you found there are industries that are better or worse 
easier to work with when implementing this type of approach? I really, I don't think so because we have some manufacturing groups where all of those guys get very invested in this because they've either heard personal stories or seen how this has changed people in their organization. So they all get it put together and they maybe have leadership that believes strongly in this. So Mm -hmm. when it's coming from the top down, you're going to invest yourself into that a little bit more. Um, And then we have some very, you know, profitable companies where they earn a very high salary, where they just say they're not going to participate. They don't feel like they need to, that money isn't an incentive enough. Stubborn. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that there's an organization or a type of culture that works better at wellness programming. It's all about communication and your leadership. Mm Mm-hmm. I have a random question back to our cessation, tobacco cessation. What's the success rate for that? That just popped in my mind because I'm like, that is such a cool program to offer because does it work? (laughs) Yeah. So we see it's all over the board. Um, so I would say it depends on the tobacco cessation program that you're putting into place. Mm -hmm. So some tobacco cessation programs have a cost to it and a very high cost, but you have to look at that as you're investing into that employee with this cost by hopefully being able to change their lifestyle Mm -hmm. and being able to help them quit smoking. So one, as an example that we've seen to be very, very beneficial and work the best is one-on-one health coaching Mm -hmm. and that can either be telephonically or on site but by doing health coaching um, you you have an individualized program so you maybe are not a cigarette smoker but you chew tobacco so Mm -hmm. when you're doing a tobacco cessation program with a health coach um, individualized you're able to talk through okay this is what I do how do I stop this what are my triggers so that's where we find the most benefits from it. And there's so much accountability in that, too. Oh, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So if uh, you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that um, you don't jump into the deep end of the pool, go Mm -hmm. to straight outcomes-based program, but for an organization where they're not doing anything today, Mm -hmm. the culture's healthy, the workforce is open to it, Mm -hmm. how long will it take to get from a basic participation-based program to the full outcomes-based program where you're seeing real results. And Mm -hmm. when I say real results, I guess I mean in your claims data. Yeah. Yeah. That could look so different for so many companies. I will say from our McGowan Braybender standpoint, we have been doing some sort of wellness for the past 14 to 15 years. And so we are a truly outcomes-based program here, but it has taken many, many years to get there. So Mm -hmm. you take baby step after baby step after baby step, and then you finally get there to build that culture. Now, could you um, move that up and make it faster. Absolutely. And there are ways to do that successfully. It's just thinking through that strategy and really building out that plan. And that's what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, it's funny because I was just thinking of our EHL testimonials project and how impactful that was. And they were nervous. They didn't want to start. They were scared to be big brother. And it's just the, the results are so good. And you're, you just, you're thankful for your company for investing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a nice little story. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tiffany, just wrapping up here a little bit, um, people that are listening, HR teams that are listening, do you have any advice? 
I would say start by connecting with your account manager. If you really want to learn how to build a wellness program, ask them to bring me into the conversation. I can have a phone call. I can come meet with you to be able to talk about a strategy and a plan of where to begin Mm -hmm. and what that looks like for the future. Um, And if you maybe have already started some wellness and you want to figure out maybe a new incentive structure and how that looks like, I'm happy to have a conversation and talk to you about what we've seen in the market and what works. Excellent. Well, I think that concludes today's Side Effects episode. And if anyone has any questions or if you want to get started with Tiffany, um, reach out to us or find her on LinkedIn. And again, if you have any topic suggestions or feedback about side effects, um, you can email me at Kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com. So thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks. And we'll see you next time.